The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows. Hi, I'm Thomas Salerno, and you're listening to The Secrets of Willow, where we'll discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings of this 1988 fantasy film. And joining me today on the panel are Robert King. Hi, Robert. Hello. And Patrick Mason. Hello, Patrick. Howdy, Tom. Be sure to follow The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And do us a favor by please sharing the show with your friends. We've got a lot of Great movies and shows to discuss in the near future, including the Willow streaming series on Disney+. Plus. But in the meantime, you can follow the show at Facebook.com slash StarQuest Media, or on Twitter, where we are at at YesSQPN, or on Instagram, where we are at StarQuest Network. Okay, so before we uh, dive into our thoughts on Willow, I'm going to attempt to briefly summarize its rather crazy plot uh without <laughs> without spoiling too much for later so good luck goes. tom yeah thank you i i think i'm gonna need it so in uh, long ago and far away a prophecy foretells that an infant with a special birthmark will destroy the evil sorcerer queen bavmorda to prevent this the witch imprisons all the pregnant women in her realm when a child named alora dannon is born she is smuggled out of Bavmorda's castle and sent down river where she falls into the hands of the good-hearted hobbit, I mean Nelwyn, Willow <laughs> Ufgood. Willow, who's also an aspiring wizard, agrees to embark on the perilous quest to return the baby to her kind. Through a convoluted and sometimes frankly bizarre series of adventures, Willow earns the help of the mercenary Mad Mardigan, the diminutive brownies, Frangine and Rule, and the good sorceress, Rizelle. They're even joined by Bavmorda's daughter, Sorsha, who turns against the queen after falling in love with Mad Mardigan. Bavmorda's forces eventually recapture Alora, but Willow and his friends assault the evil castle. Willow and Rizelle kind of defeat Bavmorda. She really more destroys herself by accident, but we'll get into that. And the prophecy is fulfilled, I guess. Willow returns to Hobbiton, I mean the Nelwyn village, in triumph as a newly minted wizard after leaving Alora in the care of his friends. The end for now. Okay, so Willow. Um, definitely an interesting movie, considered one of the fantasy flops of the 80s. And a film that I've only discovered recently. But uh, first, I want to let you guys uh, give your thoughts and experiences about this film. Uh, let's start with you, Patrick. What's your history with Willow? So I think if Willow came out in 89, uh, I was like seven <laughs> or eight. eight. Uh, and I saw it shortly after. I didn't see it in theaters um, because more than than likely I would have run screaming out of the theater. Uh, and I did that on, uh, on more than one occasion. <laughs> That's my parents. Um, 
But yeah, it, I, what I remember most about Willow is just being absolutely terrified once we got to the end of the movie. Um, the whole uh, people changing into pigs and then everything from that point on the baby. The I remember the baby like being wrapped up and with the with the. Um, yeah, it looked like black electrical tape and, <laughs> and in the red and crying in the rain like that image stuck with me as a child for a long time. It's just like a terrifying existence. Like, I, I don't know how to put it, but it's just like a terrifying image of like what like terror really was. And, um, you know, only later did I come to find out that it was a fantasy movie and not a horror movie that oh. <laughs> I was subjected to as a child. <laughs> And um, rewatched it more recently as an adult. And yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it's definitely a movie. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Robert? Um, and I was a little older when I saw it. I don't remember if I saw it in the theater. It's it's a po- it's a strong possibility I did um, or or soon after on on uh, ye old videotape. Um, <laughs> VHS. But, yeah, yeah. Oh man, friends don't let friends watch VHS. Anyway, um, are, you, are you a Betamax guy? Is that what you're saying? Oh no, I, I just was an early DVD laser adopter. Laser disc. I mean, laser disc is a is a. We should have like do a whole secrets of technology show about laser disc. I mean, yeah, that's, if we haven't already, but um, yeah. So I I remember seeing it in the theater, and I was fully. Uh, into my I am a Star Wars fan and I am a Lord of the Rings fan at that point. And this was neither. Um, but it was clearly trying really hard to be both. And yep. and so I think when I was a kid, I was like offended by it <laughs> because it's like you don't you don't try that hard and fail. Come on. Right. And and then um Earlier this year um, at a a con that I help out with, uh, there was a speaker who gave a um, a presentation on Willow that kind of opened my eyes to a a new way of looking at the film. And so I rewatched it and it is still just as much a mess of a movie as it ever was. But but. (laughs) dang, there's a lot going on in it. You know, there, there are a lot of, a lot of themes and a lot of um, really interesting, both like fantasy ideas and character ideas that I, that I just loved. And so I can see why it's become such a cult classic. Uh, and, and I, I, you know, maybe a little like you, I, I feel, I feel bad about being so late to coming to my own appreciation of it. Well, that's really interesting because I am late in seeing the movie at all. Like when when this movie came out, I was about as old as Alora Dannon is supposed to be because I was born <laughs> in 88. So completely missed this movie. Never saw it when I was a kid. And I actually saw it, I believe, first for the first time last year, I think, you know, it was I'm like, well, you know, we've we're still kind of. Recovering from COVID, I've got some time on my hands. Why don't I just watch all of these, you know, movies that I eighties movies that I missed? And I had just watched uh, the Dark Crystal, Jim Henson's oh. The Dark Crystal, and fallen in love with it, head over heels in love with that movie, which is now one of my favorite fantasy movies. And I'm like, well, at, at this period of time, Henson and George Lucas, who wrote the story for Willow, 
were good friends. They were collaborators. So I'm like, maybe this is a similar kind of movie. Maybe it's a hidden gem like the Dark Crystal was. And so my, <laughs> yeah. so, That's awesome. so, so, so my brother and I watched this movie and I was like, this is an OK movie, but it's not the Dark Crystal. And I, I honestly, when, when the movie was over, I turned to my brother and I'm like, I don't know what to make of this movie. <laughs> I think I enjoyed it. But mm-hmm. it's just so bizarre. There's so much stuff going on, you know, I'm like I'm like I because ex- I expected this to be George Lucas does the Hobbit and okay, it's yeah. kind of and it's kind of that. But it's also not like the, the plot is just so overly complex and mm-hmm. and yeah, but I, I did enjoy the movie enough to where I was excited that there was a sequel series coming out which we'll 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 get to later uh which is gonna be on disney plus but which is where i'm I'm when i'm gonna talk about the dark crystal a whole lot when we get to that (laughs) oh right yeah yes i the 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 trailer has very heavy dark crystal vibes Mm -hmm. but yeah it's like this this is an interesting film the the stories by george lucas he he did not write the script i'm actually blanking on who wrote the script right now but he he wrote the story treatment and it's directed by Ron Howard, who is who was apparently just off of directing Cocoon, which I did see as a kid, but I've never seen since. OK, uh, that's me is another one that would have terrified me as a child. Yeah. Well, and yeah. Cocoon is one I remember seeing, but for, completely forgot about was unlike Willow, which stuck with me. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think Willow sticks with people because like underneath, like all of the kind of surface level craziness of this movie like you said robert there's some interesting themes to pull out of it in my rewatch i was struck in like the the opening sequence how much of a kind of biblical setup we've got going on oh it's hugely hugely it's both the birth of moses they even have a boat of reeds to carry baby Alora down the river Mm-hmm. That that is like appears out of nowhere, right? That appears like it, out of nowhere. It's, it's yeah. not even made. It's just like it's know, just oh hey, there's this map of vegetation. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yep. And it's like the birth of Christ because you have the monarch hunting down all of the or children of a certain age, or rather, she's imprisoned mm-hmm. the mothers, letting them give birth, and then you know seeks to kill the child if she can find the one with the right birthmark. But I'm like. That's interesting. That birthmark, um, the the guy who was giving a talk, um, his name is uh, the Reverend Paul Schneider, I believe. Um, I'll, I'll I'll get a link to you guys so we can put it in the show notes or something. Oh but, yeah. Um, he pointed out that the birthmark is, you know, oddly similar to the Hebrew letter Shin. Um, which is the, it's, you know, the beginning of lots of words in Hebrew, but, you know, significantly Shalom. That's the one that he pointed out. Um, so yeah, the, this, this chosen one is chosen in a lot of really heavy ways. Um, you know, all that Moses and Christ symbolism is, is just lathered on really thick there. Really Um, thick. And it's like, it's almost like. He he's trying to do this a similar thing that what he did with Star Wars, where he's pulling from the Bible, he's pulling from mythology and folklore. Mm-hmm. He's trying to do the monomyth, 
And mm-hmm. so he's he's putting all of this stuff in. But with where Star Wars, it's kind of seamless and it all really gels in Willow. It, it seems kind of janky, like the seams are showing yeah, of all of the yeah. stuff he's cobbled together. And I think like like you said before we were recording, Robert, it still works in its own weird way. It's just that you can see you, you can see the, the, the seams where it doesn't quite all fit together. It reminds me of, of um, like people in, in um, writing groups that I'm a part of. Uh, they, you know, they pull out, you know, the, the mono myth and, and Joseph Campbell and, yeah. um, you know, the hero's journey as this model of how to write a, a Hollywood story. And, and George Lucas was huge into it, like explicitly. Um, but like, all of the writing books that I read about the hero's journey, they're really careful to say, like, don't don't follow this too mechanically because, <laughs> yeah. because yeah. it gets literally. really mechanical. You, <laughs> mm-hmm. you you see the scenes really, really quickly. And it, it almost feels like Lucas, you know, took one of these manuals on on the hero's journey, like one of the early ones before they started warning about that. And it's like, okay, I'm going to hit every single, you know, no. possible plot beat of of the hero's journey to make sure I don't leave anything out. Yeah, there was a critic after I don't know which critic it was, but after the film came out, who called Lucas the great regurgitator after they <laughs> Ooh, saw I this like film. Yeah. And that, and and that, that stung apparently. Oh, this. But before I forget, speaking of critics, he was already starting to sour on critics when he wrote this movie because there are several <laughs> characters named after prominent critics. It's in my notes here. Where did I? Where did I put this? But like the the general, what's his name? He had General Kale is named oh. after the 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 film critic Pauline Kale. Yes. Oh, and wow. Yeah. It's not mentioned in the movie, but it's in the script, apparently. But the dragon, the two headed dragon is called an Ebor Sisk after critics Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert. Nice. Wow. So, yeah. so, not, not flattering comparison. No, he's already taking pot shots at critics he doesn't like. Oh, or, and I'm like, wow. I'm like, OK. Nice. Yeah, I you know what I caught um was interesting to me was a lot of the chosen one movies, you know, the chosen one fantasy movies and whatnot from that time era. What you saw was you got that opening scene right with the whatever that makes them the chosen one and in this case it's the prophecy and her being born and being whisked down the river and all all of that 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 comes and then usually you have a time jump into the future. And it's it's all about the chosen one, right? And, and right. what mm-hmm. they're doing in their journey or whatever. What I thought this was really interesting is it wasn't about her at all. I mean, it was like it was all about her, but then it was also not all about right. her. Yeah, it was about mm-hmm. Willow, and it was about Bad Mordigan, and it was about. I mean, not so much the brownies, but <laughs> it was. <laughs> but they Rizelle. Yeah, Rizelle. Yeah. and yeah. um, uh, what's her name? The daughter, and Sorsha. Sorsha. Yeah, and Sorsha. Yeah. It was about all of their journeys to get this chosen one to wherever they needed to do to, to do their thing. It, it, it hilariously, it strikes me very much as like a, a prequel that was done first. Like, like I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, 
I think that was something I was trying to articulate to myself while I was watching the movie, but didn't do it as, as well as you just did. That it's like, I'm like, what what is so odd about this movie? And yeah, it kind of strikes you as a prequel. So it'll be interesting to see what the sequel actually does with some of these stories and characters. But I, I think, uh, Pat, you kind of hit on it there that like what what works for me about this movie is the characters and their mm-hmm. dynamics together. And I love because like uh, heroic fantasy is my thing. I love that kind of like high fantasy that doesn't take itself like too seriously and has an eclectic cast of characters. And this movie definitely has that, you know, you you have, you know, Willow off good, you know, the uh, the 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 everyman, you know, an, another archetype that George Lucas loves to play with the everyman hobbit or see, I co- and that, that time yeah. was unintentional. I didn't mean to call him a hobbit. <laughs> wasn't there. Even to do it <laughs> wasn't even trying. But, you know, like the, the everyman, you've got Mad Mardigan, the, the, the mercenary with a heart of gold. You've got Han the Solo. comic. Yeah. yeah on Solo. Yeah, yeah. You, you've got the comic relief in, in, in the, the, the two brownies who I guess are supposed to be like R2 and 3PO. You know, the duo comic relief. And you, you've got Sorsha. And, and when you throw these characters together, something clicks to where to the point where when the movie goes off to try and cover something else like the villains, I very quickly get bored because the villains in this movie are cardboard cutouts. They are barely characters. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. It's like all, it's the evil general... queen. So why is she evil? She's 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 evil. evil. <laughs> yeah, she's like she and she she's very much <laughs> she's trying to be the witch from the Wizard of Oz or Maleficent. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, and yeah, and then there's a lot of Oz in this too, besides Tolkien. But yeah, it's like, she is kind of like, why is she evil? She's evil. Why does she want to destroy the baby? Because it's a threat to her. How? Shut up. Don't you want the story to happen? You've you've gone too far. There's nothing there. Watch (laughs) Mad Mardigan swing his sword again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like General (laughs) Kale, his... His purpose seems to be to shout loudly at everything. Mm-hmm. And that and that's yeah. it. Like the only interesting antagonist is Sorsha. Sorsha. Because yeah, she yeah. has, you know, kind of a redemption arc going on. Well, well it what strikes me, Kale is is kind of the the plot motivator. Because I think without right. him, like Bad Mortigan and Willow, like they're not going forward. They're they're not. And because he's constantly chasing them, they're always having to move forward into the next plot element. <laughs> you know? Right. You know? Yeah. All right. And also kind of the reverse, too. If he wasn't there, they might just easily do what they're attempting to do. Like they have to have some sort of obstacle in the way. So that's like Kale's pretty much entire purpose is just to be like the nameless antagonist. And they give him and Mad Mardigan the epic sword fight at the end. And I'm like, George, this is not Obi-Wan and Darth Vader. We don't care about, you know, I care about Mad Mardigan, but I don't care about this villain. Why? Oh, he killed Mad Mardigan's friend whose name I can't even remember. But it's like, <laughs> it's, they want Eric, to, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It, yeah. It, it was Eric. It's almost like this should have been a trilogy like Star Wars. But they're trying to condense so much into one two hour movie that a lot of things just get rushed over. Like you have the whole like 
Han and Leia romance condensed into like 30 minutes with Mad Mardigan yeah. and Sorsha. There's no time for character <laughs> development. Motions help with that. Yeah. Th- that's got, very true. Yeah. We've got three scenes to do this in. How are we, <laughs> we going to do this? <laughs> First, he puts hatred. a knife to her throat. Then yeah. he gets a love potion. Then they're, they're madly in love with each other. Yep. Then they're like, madly you know, in love. Like, yeah. like real life. <laughs> just, just how it happens in real life. <laughs> It, it's almost like you, you have to love the movie for that, because like, I'm, I'm sure there's people who hate this movie, but I, I don't see how you can hate it. It's just too much fun. <laughs> you know, like, like, I think you said before we were recording, Robert, that it's not on an objective level, a good movie. Yeah, but <laughs> you, you just got to love it for trying. <laughs> It's it's a unique movie and and I Pat I I love the way you you brought out how it breaks the trope of the chosen one in that way that it that it right. focuses on sort of the companions rather than on the chosen one herself and um and it does that a lot um the like it definitely makes so one one of the things I love about fantasy movies is the way magic is real in a fantasy movie. Right. And I love the way it makes your hero magician a stage magician, you know, basically, yes. you know, yeah, he does great. sleight of hand tricks. That's yes. what he does. And the like the key moment that that sets the whole thing rolling um you know, after after uh, Bad Bavmorda's dogs come running through the village looking for Alordan, and um, the the oh gosh, now I'm blanking on the name of the wizard, uh, um, the the village wizard who who consults the bones to see oh, what that they was should great. do. <laughs> the bones tell me nothing. The bones, the bones have spoken. <laughs> yes, yeah, I love but that. but between that, it's do you have any love for this child and right. and i love i love that um you know it's not do you love this child it's do you have any, any love? love yeah and and that like like really this is this is one of the I, few i think actually like christian connections mm-hmm. that this movie makes is that you know any level of love is sufficient it, any you know, the, the, the smallest amount of love right. is enough to get you started on the road to heroic virtue, to to sanctity, ultimately. And um, I love that. And that that is, I mean, maybe more than any other movie that's tried to make this this cliche twist, you know, love is the real magic. Right. Um, and 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 it works, I think, because. Because Willow is so unwilling to love at the beginning and and really genuinely learns to love not just the Laura Dan and but everyone. I love how he says, don't any of you fall in love with this baby. I forbid you to fall in love with this baby. I forbid you. (laughs) Yeah, I love that journey he goes on from, you know, get rid of it. It's not one of not one of us, not one of ours. Mm -hmm. And to holding in his arms and looking and going. Ah, dang it. <laughs> you know, yes. uh, man. Uh, okay, fine, fine. We'll keep it. <laughs> and you, you just have to commend Warwick Davis 
for selling this character to us. You are with Willow 100% through the whole film, no matter what he's doing and no matter what he's feeling. You are with him. I think it's what really, besides just the, the team of characters, Willow is the core and heart of this movie. He's such a heartfelt character that mm-hmm. it kind of bleeds into the whole movie. The movie has heart. And that's where I think it works where any other movie that had tried to do this that didn't have such a genuine protagonist as Willow. I, I just don't think it would have worked. Yeah, because, you you know, what you're saying earlier about the villains being, you know, cardboard cutouts. Yeah, it's very much not true for the heroes. Mm-hmm. Like I and they're mm-hmm. they're believable in a way where they're not even like heroically believable. Like. I can pretend that I'm Luke Skywalker, but I can't really be Luke Skywalker. I mean, come on. <laughs> I don't have force powers or whatever. Right. But, I, I mean, you got this kind of wackadoodle crazy swordsman. You've got this farmer who's trying to be a sorcerer, but he's really a stage magician. You know, you've got this uh, girl who's trying to live up to the expectations of her mother. You've got very, like, believable, real characters. Um and that I and they have heart. I think that's that's a great point is is the fact that they they have hearts. They're like living, breathing, beating, I know, heart, heart beating characters. I mm-hmm. love that we even learn little things about them that they that give you a window into their personality without it being over explained. There's a scene when they're all it's I think in the final half of or third of the movie when they're all hiding from the soldiers in that building and they're with some of the uh the the uh the army soldiers who had fled from the bad guys and you have mm-hmm. Mad Mardigan's friend there and he he tells Willow, you know, you can't trust this guy. He's a thief. And Willow's like, "Are you?" And the question kind of hangs there and never gets answered. Mad Mardigan gives him this look and kind of walks off. And I I was very impressed that they didn't resolve that or try to over explain Mad Mardigan's backstory, because everything you know about him, you already need to know with those little details and the things that he does and says. So Mm -hmm. I, I just felt that was very that that surprised me, whereas I think, you know, in other movies, they just would have given you his whole life story at that point. Yeah, he would have he would have blown off on a monologue or a soliloquy, <laughs> gone into song, explain what he had done. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, Willow the musical. Now there there would be. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that would be a, a, an event. Well, um, Willow live, like they've done with some of those other Disney things, or they've they've done the musical live. That oh, that would be man. interesting. I love actually crazy. how like. One one of the first things uh, Mad Mardigan says is echoed at the very end of the movie. When they first meet Mad Mardigan, he is caught in one of those hanging prison cells. I think they're called crow's yeah. cages, right? Yep, yep. And he's he's hanging in one of those for something he's done. And he's begging the soldiers who pass by to let him go. He's like, let me win this war for you. And I love how at uh-huh. the end, when his friend dies, when they're assaulting Bav Morda's castle and his friend dies, he tells him, go win this war for me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that was that was actually a good ending line, you know, like, you know, death line for that character. And to kind of give Mad Mardigan the the motivation to, to keep going, you know, so that th- there are this movie surprises me 
at every turn. You, you can't just blow it off. And that's what's just so fascinating about it. Like, I don't know. It, I, I, I think what's interesting, too, about it is just how much they want you to trust them to be along for the ride in this movie. Mm-hmm. No matter what happens, just go with it, guys. Don't question it too much. Well, that, that I mean, it, it even works kind of thematically within this, the world of the movie itself, right? Mm. Because because I, we talked about Alora Dannon earlier and how, you know, she's the chosen one, but she doesn't really do anything. She's a baby. Except, <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's a baby. Really good actor. She's she's there. That baby acting was incredible, That's by amazing. the way. Actually, yeah, yeah. I don't know how um, many takes it took them to get, like, the right facial. But she had the right facial expression for no matter what was going on. It, they must the have smiles, just, like, the frowns. They yeah. put a camera on her for, like, 24 hours. <laughs> That's just kind of what they needed from that. The whole yeah. thing, the whole, it, was, oh, it was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she was fantastic. And um, but she basically just looks cute for mm-hmm. the whole movie. Proto Grogu. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I hadn't I hadn't made that connection, but you're right. Yeah. Um, just her presence is enough to convert everyone around her to her cause. Right. Like, like she just sort of radiates goodness in in a way that Mm -hmm. that gets willow first to go from you know i forbid anybody to fall in love with that baby excuse me it's just such a funny scene yeah (laughs) to yes i will you know that's my baby um right and, and it's mad martigan you know it's kind of it's subtle. It's not really explicit, but it's like the only thing that explains everybody's sort of character shift is kind of proximity to Alora Dannon. She she's right. almost like the anti one ring, right? You know, anyone <laughs> who's near her learns to desire something other than themselves. Um, <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because that's that's another great theme in this movie that I think we can hit on is selflessness and thinking about a cause or a person other than yourself or your own little kind of parochial interests, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they, they, I think they do a really good job of that right off the bat with the interactions between, um, the, the mayor, whatever of Hobbiton, I can't remember his name, but <laughs> Oh yeah. I think they <laughs> yes. call him the prefect oh, gosh, he's fantastic. the prefect and, and Willow, um, because the prefect is, is, out for himself like period end of story like he's trying to steal willow's land like that's the first thing you get and then later Mm -hmm. on you learn oh no he's like the guy in charge and then oh he's on the adventure but the only way they can get him to go is the wizard lies (laughs) he's like the bones tell me you've got to go and so they send the warriors too you know and just just juxtapositioning him and willow on that little first part of the you know the first quarter of the horribly circuitous plan um to to get to the to get aurora or not aurora sorry <laughs> different movie different alora alora sorry sorry maleficent anyway so <laughs> yeah different movie that disney owns yeah 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 it's all going to be owned by disney someday and but their uh their interplay in that first part of the journey 
where, you know, he's constantly wanting to leave and and getting spit up on the baby, whereas Willow's <laughs> helping the baby and changing it. And, and no, I'm going to stick with it. You know, we're, we're going to make it to the crossroads and stay here. Um, even after the, the, you know, the, I guess it's not a pig or pig dog attack. It's, it's, they ride by him and they're hiding in the bushes and they're like, well, maybe we should, oh, right. yeah. we should bail. And he's like, no, we've got to get to the crossroads kind of a thing. Um, just the fight between him and him and the prefect. Um, sets up that whole selfishness versus selflessness friction or combat that you see going on through the entire movie. Um, and it's, I, I find it interesting because that, that whole little to big is, is through the whole movie is a general theme. You go from this little incident, right? Where this baby shows up on, on, in the stream at your doorstep to, okay, it's now big enough that I've got to get the whole town involved to, now it's big enough that I'm having to interact with the humans or whatever they called them. Um, Daikiti. Daikini. Daikini. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I've got to deal with a whole nother species now. Um, and then from there into, okay, I'm being lectured by the fairy godmother. <laughs> like, what yeah, is yeah. going on? <laughs> and even like little to big with um, uh, Willow's uh, learning to use magic. And like when when we first meet um, uh, the good, the 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 good witch of the north, the good sorceress, <laughs> Rizelle, Linda, she's Linda the good witch. Shows Linda up. the good witch. Yeah. yeah, she she's this tiny. I don't know what it is, like a possum or a tree kangaroo or something. Yeah, but she's yeah. like and she gets progressively, I think, into like larger and larger animals till like, you know, she's eventually, you know, transformed into a human and you have. Like Willow trying to learn, he well the the first thing he does is like he catapults himself into a tree with his magic, and like it, the things that he does by accident get progressively more extreme <laughs> as, as the movie mm-hmm, goes yes. on. So yeah, like I I I like that they do that kind of progression throughout the movie. Although sometimes it can be to the movie's detriment because at least where little kids are concerned because one way it is a lot like the dark crystal is some of the very bizarre and disturbing sequences in this movie like the infinite where uh they're they're laying siege to Bavmorda's castle after she's retrieved the baby and she's mm-hmm. like you're not soldiers you're all pigs and instead of doing like the thing where most movies would do where they would cut away and then cut back to them as pigs you see people transform into pigs. It's a pretty impressive. You, I think it's a combination of practical effects and CGI. It's really impressive, but that would frighten the bejibbers out of any little kid. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no, horrifying. Mm-hmm. Like I said, like that. That's like stuck in my brain. That whole like half man, half pig stuff that was going on with all the 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 effects. And um, but yeah, you're right. Like you go from these smaller things to this this really big sequence where you have that. Um, yeah, terrifying. <laughs> or where the uh, the the uh, I think a couple of scenes earlier when they're at the abandoned castle and the troll yes. is transformed first into some weird pulsating brain thing and then into a giant two headed dragon that spits fire, which was uh, animated, I believe, by the uh, by uh, Phil Tippett, the stop motion animator, because I saw his okay. name in the credits. He was he was a pro, I believe he was a protege of Ray Harryhausen, the famous stop motion pioneer from the 50s and 60s. But yeah, yeah it's yeah. like 
it, this movie was kind of like in that last age of practical effects before everything completely transferred over to CGI with Jurassic Park. Like once Jurassic Park hit, they realized they could do pretty much anything with CGI. But this is like one of those movies where you watch it and you're really impressed with just the craftsmanship that ILM show, there's a lot of impressive visuals in this movie. And like the, the just even simple things like the matte paintings. Did you see some of those matte paintings? They're beautiful. Like that, one, there's, yeah, there's the one backgrounds. Looks, yeah. The, the, the places where the, the um, special effects have not aged well are generally the close up things. Yes. And, but yeah, like the, the background paintings are gorgeous and um and and some of them are are uh photographic as well like like the when they're coming out of the valley um the you know when they're first taking lord n and away from the the nelwyn village they cut away to this picture of the valley and it's this gorgeous um oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. You know, kind of that was beautiful strange landscape and and that's actually um it's actually a place in china it did look like southern china yeah of pictures that i've seen and yeah they they it's funny because they one of the places where this movie was filmed was new zealand so before we had lord of the rings you know before lord of the rings made new zealand famous for fantasy movies you had fantasy movies being filmed there it was it was new zealand and wales where they filmed this Mm-hmm. And I I like that it feels big. It doesn't feel like some other fantasy movies that would have had like a lesser budget where you can tell like they're just in quarries and stuff. And it feels kind of cramped. Like th- this movie f- with with some of the wide shots of them, like walking through landscapes, it, it feels big. And that's important in in, in a fantasy epic. I, I guess my one complaint was that sometimes it does seem a little bit empty like e- even some of the the t- towns and villages like like there's a lot like of there's uh, nobody there except the armies right, right. yeah exactly yeah, yeah yeah like you have the army go through at the crossroads but there's no there's no baggage you know there's no train of people with all the stuff there's there's right. no other people like you have you get to the one castle and everybody's been like frozen in stone or something so okay mm-hmm. we use magic to explain why we don't have any extras <laughs> like everybody is and there's nobody there but like some soldiers and the bad guys and you're kind of like aren't there should there be a when town they, when they slid down the mountain into the village there's nobody there except the other army yeah right yeah or not many people there's there not many except people. the other army i think the yeah. most you see of like normal people is at that that uh tavern that they go to yeah that was an odd sequence chicken and, fighting yeah, and, they're, they're, yeah. <laughs> like, yes. I mean, I've been intoxicated before. I've never wanted to do that. <laughs> and like that, that whole scene is crazy. There's so much going on. One of the brownies gets hit with the love potion, falls in love with a cat. There's, you know, yes. there's there's uh, Mad Mardigan oh is goodness. trying to hide from an outraged husband who like you know because he's been making advance advances on his wife or something like that he's in a dress it's this whole like bizarre sequence but it's fine because it leads to actually a very entertaining uh chase sequence that was it Mm -hmm. was anybody else getting like kind of last crusade vibes from that chase sequence 
both the music and the visuals. Oh, yeah, I, I was yeah, definitely yeah. getting Indiana Jones kinds of sequence. Yeah, it like both the music was very Indiana Jones and kind of the the crazy things that would happen. You've got bad guys leaping from horses onto the cart. They get punched out. They fall off the couple of the wheels fall off the cart. There's all this crazy stuff happening. I'm like, this is really entertaining. But it's like, again, it's like, I think one of the things that critics didn't like about this movie when it came out is like, we've seen all this before, just in a different context. Yeah, to the extent that it's like, you know, why is Val Kilmer in this movie? Could they not afford Harrison Ford? <laughs> right. Yeah. Although to Val Kilmer's credit, he does a really good job. I really enjoy him. I think he does a better job than Harrison Ford would have. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm remembering the wheels exploding from the cart. I, in fact, I yeah. think he, he brings what's yeah. original yeah, to it. The, the wheels blowing up on the cart. And I'm like, weren't those yeah. wooden? Like, yeah, you know, yeah. Horrible <laughs> explosion of the wheel. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, sorry, I derailed you. I apologize. No, that's. <laughs> Just like the card. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. No, but I think I, I do agree. I think Val Kilmer brought a lot to that character. Um, just kind of the I, bad. Mar he's just he's just such a strange guy, right? Like we meet him in a cage, you know, trying to get out of the cage, trying to trick the little people. Does he call them pikes or picks or something? Yeah, they, they have some kind of weird pecs. pecs. It's like some kind of weird slur that everybody else uses for the halflings. Yeah. And I was just like, wow. I'm like, eh, like, <laughs> OK, right. And the like, Nelwins. Thank you very yeah, much. Nelwins. Like, yeah. There's, there's just so many little details like that that makes it believable. Like, mm -hmm. like you're like it's so often you're like, OK, like, I don't understand. We were walking in the woods and now we've got a bunch of fairies and now and then. And but why did that happen? And but then you're like, you've got those little things where there's racial slurs and there's like <laughs> there's an over an overbearing townsfolk leader. And the wizards really screwing with people because like the bones don't actually tell me anything. And, and I'll be, <laughs> it's like this is just so very real. Like, it's so believable. <laughs> And I, I, mm -hmm. I think that that might be the stamp of George Lucas, because he knew how to do that with Star Wars of presenting you with like an extremely fantastical environment, but having enough verisimilitude in it that you believed it, that you were yeah. completely invested in the universe. Yeah. And, and Brew and, and Uncle Owen's place was still dirty and, and rusty and and they're still right, sitting around yeah. the table drinking blue milk. It's still milk, right? <laughs> it's, yeah. <laughs> Who knows where they got it from? But <laughs> and they still pour it on cereal. Oh, <laughs> uh, oh, right from from uh, Andor. Sorry, right? spoilers Andor. if you haven't seen Andor. Yeah, cereal now exists in the Star Wars universe. Ah, such, a, <laughs> such a good scene. <laughs> I mean, like what, one one thing that kind of bums me out about the climax of this movie is that everything seems kind of a little forced. It's almost like our heroes don't actually kind of save the day. Everything just sort of happens by accident. Bavmorda, like, although I, I like that, that Willow 
completely non pluses her with the the, the vanishing act yeah, yeah. magic mm-hmm. trick yeah. and i like i it's in the beginning of the movie where he tries to make the pig disappear and you completely yep. forget Set about up. it and then they bring it back at the the end of the film where he he makes the girl seemingly disappear but then it's almost like it it kind of seemed to me like this is like if the emperor had tripped and fell down that shaft yeah, yeah it's the, like the way it's she like died right at the yeah. end you know, and Frodo's about to throw the ring in, and instead Golem like comes up and bites his finger off and falls. Oh wait, no, that's what happened, right? Like this is like so very Tolkien, right? And, and it's like that. Yeah, that doesn't true. really win. Evil defeats itself. Good just has to hold on long enough. <laughs> kind of a yeah, thing. You know yeah. what? I like that, and I as I'm now kicking myself as a huge Tolkienian for not catching yeah. that. But you're you're totally right that it it's very much like what Tolkien would call the U catastrophe, right? It's like our heroes don't actually kind of save the day. Evil defeats itself, and like, yeah, that's okay. N- n- never mind. I'm now rethinking the ending. Maybe I do actually really <laughs> yeah. like it. <laughs> Sorry, it's it's one of my favorite Tolkien themes. Is the good doesn't actually win, evil defeats itself, and good good just lasted long enough that it ends up triumphing. And so when that happened, I was like, yeah. oh, wow. That's like, he jacked that right from Tolkien. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and that's yeah, Willow, yeah. right? He endures to the end. That's the great thing about him. Even when there, there's several points in this movie when he's thinking about giving up. Oh, I, I love the scene where, you know, they, they've just defeated the dragon at that um, abandoned castle, but Bavmortis mm-hmm. forces have caught the child anyway. And Willow is just crushed. He he's just he just plops himself down. He doesn't know what to do. He looks devastated. And Mad Mortigan comes up to him and says, Willow, can you ride? And that's it. And like Willow, just they, they just look at each other. And Mad Morgan's like, let's ride. And that's it. They don't have to they don't have to do any other expository dialogue or bearing of their feelings or anything like that. Just that simple bit of dialogue tells you everything you need to know about how far Willow and Matt Mortigan have come as individual characters and their relationship with one another. And mm-hmm, I think that's mm-hmm. spectacular. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, that's that's one of the things that that again, it's the chemistry that just works. I mean, there are there are moments like that that are just really beautifully written. There are other moments that are just horribly written. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and yet the chemistry between uh, Mad Mardigan and Willow between um, Warwick Davis and, and Val Kilmer is is just electric. And it's it's this this friendship that you want to see last forever. Um, right. Yeah. And that's that's actually a a good point. We can come back to final thoughts later on, but I actually want to segue now into thought hopes and fears for the sequel series on Disney plus, because um, one of the things we'll be missing in the new series is Val Kilmer himself, because mm-hmm. he is still recovering from his bout with throat cancer. Apparently uh, Robert, you were telling me they do have his blessing for this series and to continue. This is what I've heard. I, yeah. I I don't remember my source on that. I I read it on the internet like five weeks ago. And so it must be true, but um, 
Yeah, I, I I heard somewhere that that they had talked to Val Kilmer and and uh, sort of made plans to go forward with the show with his input and with his blessing. Mm. Um, so, what are your uh, Robert, your hopes and fears for what they can do continuing this story? So the the trailer, I mean, really shows tremendously up to the up to the minute special effects i mean the the -hmm. the effects at the time were were strong but like you said it was the tail end of of the the practical effects and especially stop motion effects era and those effects have not aged well um but the special effects in the trailer are astounding um so i i am hoping it will be at least as exciting a ride as the movie was. Um, Warwick Davis looks fantastic as an actor. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. He, he clearly still has the chemistry, you know, the charisma that, that he always had. And it, and it's always great to see Warwick Davis without a mask on, you know, without, a, without a, you know, like a complete costume covering his entire body. But um, yeah, it's good to see Sorsha come back yeah that's right um, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorsha back she we haven't talked about her much but i uh, she was she was one of my favorite characters in the movie um i mean her character arc was was really truncated we talked about how quickly it moved you know the love story moved but that was also her decision to turn her back on her evil sorceress mother and join the good guys. And, um, and I really loved the, the way her character was developed through the film. And I want to see that, that developed more. Um, I like the, the actors that I recognize of the, of the new cast. I, I generally like, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with that. My fears of course are all around the writing. Mm-hmm. Um, is is it going to be are they going to get the characters right is it going to be a good adventure is it is it going to have the same kind of energy that the movie had and that's kind of a weird thing to say because the original movie is not terribly well written i mean we've been talking <laughs> about <laughs> like bad you know you can see all the seams in the the like the screenwriting handbook it was taken from and and, yes. and it's like yeah absolutely um yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I don't know if I have like actual concrete fears about it because, you know, the the truer it is to the original movie, the less technically good it's going to be, and yet right. if it has that heart, right? That you were That's talking about earlier. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Patrick, well, what about you? Have, have Have you seen the trailer yet? Yeah. So I I watched the trailer. Um, shortly after watching the the movie, um, you know what it reminds me of is the Netflix series, uh, The Dark Crystal, um, mm, Age Resistance, mm, yeah, Age Resistance. So I I had seen The Dark Crystal probably the first time while I was in college, um, and it's a very slow paced movie. Um, it's good. Yeah, it's it's you know very fantastic, very amazing what they were able to do with the puppets and the puppetry and everything. But it is a fairly slow paced movie. Is good and it, it it you know what I love are worlds. I I really love worlds. So oh I love, yeah, I love Star Same. Wars. I love Tolkien. 
and it's because mm-hmm. of the worlds. And so it, it presented this really cool world, but it was like a one shot thing. Um, right. And then Age of Resistance was not a slow paced show. It was a very fast paced show. It had a lot of characters. It had a lot of stuff going on. Um, and is a prequel. And and it's a prequel. And it was done really, really well. Um, you know, all the, the sort of modern puppetry stuff still done with practical effects. Uh, for the most part, there were a couple things they CGI'd and you could tell. Um, and, you know, I, I think when Netflix did that, they kind of kicked off a, um, oh, we have to do fantasy too for the other services. Um, right. And I think what we got out of Amazon was Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, which I can mm-hmm. go into a diatribe about that and I won't. Um, <laughs> um, why do you buy these podcasts? Watch the secrets of Middle Earth on SQPN. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah there's yeah, a whole yeah. other podcast for that. So <laughs> go check it out. Um, but, and what we get out of Disney is this is Willow. Um, I think, and I hope that it speaks to a desire to do a show with a lot of heart, a fantasy show that has a lot of heart, because ultimately I think that that's what Willow is. Um, and that's why Willow is a cult classic and not like just another fantasy movie from the eighties. We've all forgotten about. Um, and that's also my fear is that they don't have the heart, that it's a bunch of flashy effects and um, and that it doesn't do much in the way of world. But that's the other piece I want. I really want a world-building show. I want, <laughs> I want more of the world, yeah. which is yes, exactly what yeah. Dark Crystal Age of Resistance gave me, was this amazing world-building um, mm-hmm. for that, that universe, and that's what I, I would like out of this, too. But I, 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 I went worry. out and bought the dark crystal bestiary as soon as it was available. I was like, I need that. (laughs) So that, and that's, so that's my hope is, is, you know, world building and, and heart. And that's my fear is that there, there won't be much heart. Um, but I'm hopeful there will be and that they get the characters right. I, I think my fear is a lot. Disney would do like a, like a cold, heartless cash grab. Come on. (laughs) giving him like the the head bowed forward stare of incredulity like really Really? (laughs) and that's the thing with sequels is that you don't want the sequel to take away from what the original has done or the the journey that those characters have been on Uh, circling back to the dark crystal again I don't know if any of you have read the uh the dark crystal comics series that has run over the past few years but especially the ones set after the original film i was very displeased with because they basically undo everything jin and kira fought for in that movie and just to just to have some new characters save the world. They have to undo everything the old characters did. Uh, and I was, yeah, I, I could go on a whole rant about those comics, but like that, that would be probably my biggest fear that they try and undo everything that Willow, Mad Mardigan and Sorsha and everybody have done just to hold up these new characters. I don't think it's going to happen that way just because of the way, um, at least from what little what I've seen in the trailer, the kind of respect the other characters have for Willow. They're like, you're Willow, the great sorcerer, you know, and he mm-hmm. kind of gives them this look. And it's like, so I'm I'm just hoping that they have respect for the original movie and the journey that those characters have been on. 
and just take advantage of things that that the movie couldn't have, you know, the advances in special effects, you know, the the things that they can do to make this world seem even more expansive or more populated. Like we were saying before, it's kind of seems kind of empty, but yeah, to, to take advantage of, of some of the techniques in filmmaking that have advanced since 1988 and to just do justice to the original movie while, while also telling a unique new story. It can't be a retread, which I, I don't think it's going to be, but I will say that just, just based on the trailer, and I know sometimes the way they cut trailers together is meant is sometimes done as kind of a bait and switch. But at least what I saw from this trailer, I was like, this seems fun. It seems like it has a lot of heart. It seems like how I said at the top of the show, it's that kind of fun fantasy adventure that I just, you know, I'd just be like, you know, please, sir, can I have some more? So I'm 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 hoping that's what the what the TV show does. And in fact, as as we're recording this, the show's going to come out in about a month. We're recording this at the end of October. It'll be out at the end of November. By the time you guys hear this in the future, it will actually be it will will actually be 2023. So the, the show will have already been out and done. So maybe the things we're saying we'll have been born out and maybe not, but we'll definitely be back to uh, to discuss the show. Um, we'll, we'll probably just do one episode for the entire, you know, first season of the show. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about it with you guys. Um, so. Uh, last thoughts, less, less thoughts on this movie. Um, uh, uh, Pat, let's start with you. Any closing thoughts about Willow? Um, you know, something I, I wanted to bring up, but didn't, so I'm going to use this time to do that, uh, is the, <laughs> the magic, I, I found it very interesting. The magic in this world was very transformation based. Mm. Um, there was very little, mm. you know, traditional like evocation, which would be like, like fireballs and lightning bolts and, and, you know, the force powers, that kind of stuff. Um, some of that was in there, but most of it was turning one thing into another. Um, mm-hmm. like that's what the wizard did. That's what Willow did at the end with the rock, you know, turning into <laughs> yeah. <the> bird. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. That was what he did with the, the other sorceress that he turned from a, as like a, I don't know what that was, like a flying squirrel into a, yeah. like a bird, into a goat, into a something else, a tiger at some point. <laughs> yeah. Know? Um, the, the turning of the soldiers into pigs, like all uh, the turning of the troll into the thing. The Siskelebert yeah. hybrid death monster, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I I thought that was a really interesting take on magic um, because and I think it speaks to kind of the true magic, right, is the the transforming power of love, right? You brought up that the real magic is love in this and sort of the love radiating, you know, from the chosen one, the child and how it transformed the characters. Um, I think the whole magic system sort of went in, in along with that. No idea if the director or the George Lucas tried to do that or not, if they lucked into it, but, um, I, I thought that was really neat. So, um, yeah, that's, that's what I'll use my, you know, as far as the movie goes, yeah, it's, it's a movie. It's, (laughs) it is definitely (laughs) a movie. I'll just, I'll end it with that. It's a movie. (laughs) What about you, Robert? 
Oh man, um, I don't have anything nearly that deep. Um, <laughs> I, I, I guess I, I, I always just go to the 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 character transformations and um, and how, yeah the the combination of of the 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 really strong performances and the. The clear care. I mean, it wasn't just that the performances were were full of heart. The whole production was full of heart, um, and and they really clearly cared about these characters and the story they were telling with them. And so, despite the kind of technical clunkiness of of it, it seeing these characters move from caring about themselves. And being very uh, either defensive or selfish um, and turning into heroes and heroism really being putting yourself out there for someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, that was inspiring to me and it still is. And and it's the kind of thing that I wish I did more of in my own life. And And I think if you want a heroic movie, a heroic character, that kind of inspiration is definitely one of the things I always go for. So. Oh yeah, I definitely agree. Like I said, heroic fantasy is my jam. And if you're like me and, and that's what you're into and you haven't seen Willow, definitely give it a watch. I, I, I think at the very least you'll be entertained and hopefully you'll also be inspired. All right. So uh, that's it for uh, our discussion about willow on until the sequel series comes out of course uh Uh, we'd we'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make this show possible including kip c daniel m stephen g jason k and ruth k their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give help us to continue to create the secrets of movies and tv shows and all the shows here at starquest you can join them at sqpn.com slash give so we'd, we'd love to hear from you. What are your guys' thoughts about Willow? Did, did you see it back in the day when it was out in theaters? Or like me, did you just discover it recently? Uh, what are your hopes and fears for the new Disney Plus show? You can let us know by contacting us at sqpn.com secrets on our Facebook page or on Twitter, or you can send an email to secrets at sqpn.com or visit the StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord as i said we'll be back to talk all about the new willow streaming series but until then patrick mason thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of willow oh you're very welcome this is wonderful and robert king thank you as well oh it was great fun great fun thanks and once again i'm thomas salerno thank you for listening to the secrets of movies and tv shows on star Wars. Hi everyone, this is Dom Bettinelli, CEO of StarQuest, with a special message. This past year, the StarQuest Network has continued to expand our mission of exploring the intersection of faith and pop culture through our many entertaining and informative programs. Now we need your generous financial support to keep producing the shows you love and to reach new audiences with more of the life-changing and uplifting programming we've been creating for more than a decade. That's why it's very important that we hear from you this Advent and Christmas, the time when nonprofits receive most of their support for the year. If you are already a supporter of StarQuest, we thank you and ask you to prayerfully consider increasing your support at this time. 
If you're not yet a supporter, please become one now. Every gift counts. Could you give $15 or even just $10 per month? Whatever level of support you can offer, please show your support for SQPN this Christmas. And remember that your gifts are tax deductible. Just go to sqpn.com give. That's sqpn.com give. And may you have a blessed Christmas season.